Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a silver linings edition, Hornets falling to the Boston Celtics, 115-101, to night two of a back-to-back, never easy. Certainly doesn't help when an all-star like Jason Tatum, who's coming off being the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, goes off for a 44.6 made three type of performance, and that's what happened last night for Charlotte against Boston. We'll go through the game, go through our silver linings. Also going to look at some season-long stats that some of the Hornets are approaching, specifically Terry Rozier. He's having another special season shooting from beyond the arc. Where does he sit right now in the single-season all-time leaderboard? in Hornets history. How high can he go? And last but certainly not least, Hornets are about to take to the road and overall, I think the next two weeks are the most important stretch of the season. Should be determinative of what exactly the Hornets are going to be playing for coming down to the wire here in this 2021-2022 campaign. We'll talk about all these things with our guest today, the social media associate extraordinaire for the Charlotte Hornets, Wes Robinson, back with us again here on the Hornets Hivecast. Wes, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's always a good time to be back. I mean, another... This is, I'm gonna call this a stinger, <laughs> back-to-back stingers. I mean, no point intended, but it's always good to talk Hornets basketball and to look at our silver linings and see what the future ahead of us as we go into the playoffs at least. Definitely. Well, let's go through last night's game. Hornets, a decent start offensively. They were going toe-to-toe with Boston. Let things slip a little bit at the tail end of the first quarter. Start of the second quarter didn't go much better, but the Hornets able to right the ship, get back in the game by halftime. Started the third quarter strong, and then Jason Tatum and Boston pulled away, plus a couple of mental mistakes by the Hornets. But overall, storyline for this game, in your opinion, is it mental mistakes by Charlotte allowing the game to slip away, or was this a Tatum takeover with him going for 44 points? Yeah, I think it's definitely one of those situations where um, I like to see our team play our game where we can pretty much have the control of the offense and how we want to get into our spots. We have a certain system that we have in place that we have to allow teams to adapt to us. We can't really adapt to them what's going on to see, to allow those guys to to have their stars go off for 10 or 11 points in the first quarter to start filling spots on the floor. We just had a lot of mental mistakes. A lot of that had to do with our point guard, LaMelo Ball, just kind of, you know, those six tournaments really hurt in the first quarter where we weren't able to really get anything going. I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to Boston. They are one of the best. JB did talk about Boston being one of the best defensive teams out there, and they've proven that. They've won some big games strictly just off their defense. They disrupt a lot of things that we like to do. They cut into a lot of passing lanes. They're always sticking their hands in to uh, get get a lot of loose balls, and those guys play very well. But I still feel like us being able to come out, out of the gate getting into our rhythm is, is going to be a benefit for us to how we're going to play teams going forward. And it was just one of those unfortunate situations that we fell in just once again. And a lot of little mishaps on defense as well. I think a lot of things that I saw was that our guys are pretty much sitting around on a lot of jump shots. Now, we played a little better defensively of trying to get into you know spaces where we can kind of create a run. But we unfortunately will turn the ball over, and then when we get back onto the opposite end, we're not able to execute defensively, and there's always a backdoor pass being missed, or maybe we're leaving someone open at the top of the key. Over there, swing it to one side, they miss the wreck, and they get back, and then 
one of their hot shooters are open once again. So we're, a lot of times we spend sitting there watching, and we just got to clean that up a little bit. It sounds like you feel this was more mental mistakes by the Hornets than, than necessarily a Tatum takeover. Absolutely. It's fair to say that it's more of a Hornets mental mistake. And I think in that locker room, in that coach's room, that's going to be the way they look at it. And that's the way every NBA team will and should look at it, introspectively saying, what can we clean up? What can we do better both to restrict those superstars and also just be more efficient ourselves? That's the right way to look at it. I think the 10,000 square foot view the other night against Brooklyn, Kyrie Irving going for 50 in one of the most efficient performances I've ever seen in an NBA game. He was magical. He won that game, and I think last night as well, 44 from Jason Tatum, some of the shots he made with a degree of difficulty, I think he won that game. And yes, there are things the Hornets could have done better to make it more interesting going down the stretch, but even then, maybe you're in a one-shot game against Jason Tatum. The way he was playing, I think that's probably enough to, to get Boston across the finish line, but boy, I sure would like that game. My grand view of this, I think Kyrie won the Brooklyn game. I think Tatum won the Boston game. But there are things the Hornets could have done better. And some of it is the mental mistakes, the early ones in particular. LaMelo Ball, as you mentioned, had a rough first half. Six turnovers in the first half. He talked after the game about what went wrong. Pretty much just just knowing how we all play. Pretty much not probably just listening to the wrong stuff. You know, getting out of hand, trying to do the wrong things. Instead of just uh, slowing down. Short and sweet and to the point. And LaMelo, to his credit, fixed things in the second half. He came back. He had six turnovers in the first half. None in the second half. He ends up with 15 points, eight rebounds, four assists. Didn't shoot the ball well from three, but I thought he made a lot better decisions in the second half. And this is part of the learning experience. He's still in only his second season. Even though he's an all-star already, he is far from his finished product. He's going to be even better than what is already an all-star level player. LaMelo, after he had that comment on what went wrong, he talked about what can go right in the not-too-distant future. Pretty much just win the next game and the games after that. Win if pretty much cure everything, you know. Short and sweet and to the point from LaMelo Ball. All right, Wes Robinson, time to go to Silver Linings. You are the guest. You get to pick first. I'm going to go with P.J. Washington. Jalen Brown from the corner. Gives it up late to Horford. Who shot is blocked. Stuffed by the Hornets. Recovery by Rogier. Rogier to P.J. Catch and shoot three. Yes, sir. P.J. Washington. Third three of the half. He's got 15. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just watching PJ over the last recent games getting into double figures. I mean, people will look at it and say there's not much of an effort, but he plays a, a very pivotal part in his position of being a stretch four, sometimes giving us a small ball lineup at the five position. And he's pretty tough in the post. He's had some tough battles that he's had to go with against some of the towers that they had in Brooklyn, dealing with Williams last night in, in, in Boston, So and dealing with Al Horford. So it's just one that he can pretty much control of how we're going to pace the floor and how we're going to bring some of these guys out so we can open up passing lanes for people like Terry Rozier and Miles Bridges to be able to attack the rim. So seeing that he's getting back into a rhythm of finding his stroke, he's going to play a great piece. I mean, I know he sometimes he kind of falls off and he can kind of get down on himself that he's not shooting the ball particularly well. But there are other things that P.J. can do to be a huge factor in the rebound and and also contributing blocks as well in the defensive effort. I mean, he had a very good offensive game, uh, one of his better shooting performances of the season. Ended up with 17 points, a lot of it in the first half, but a really good overall effort. Tip of the cap to Mason Plumley. He was strong out there, too. Seven points, 15 rebounds, and a team-high six assists. He had the team-high in rebounds and assists, the point center, Mason Plumley. But all that said, my silver linings player is going to be Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges. 
Attacking, spinning against Tatum up with a right hand, the lay-in, yes, counted and a foul! Miles Bridges really had a strong second half offensively. All 17 of his points came after intermission. But overall, you look at his stat line, in a game that the Hornets lost by 14, Miles Bridges played more minutes than everyone with the exception of P.J. Washington on the Hornets and was a plus 14 in those minutes. That means in the other eight and a half minutes that were not played by Miles Bridges, the team was a minus 28. What that says to me is that some of these injuries just continue to impact the Hornets. The record without Gordon Hayward, it's really, it's it's undeniable what that impact is. And I'm not saying Gordon Hayward is going to come in and score 14 more points than whoever he's replacing in terms of his minutes necessarily, but he has an influence on this team that is undeniable and just lengthens this team in in terms of the bench. I mean, think about how much more impactful P.J. Washington's 17 points are if they're coming off the bench and Gordon Hayward is contributing 15 or so points as the starter. It just makes this team that much more dynamic, that much deeper. They're working their way through it right now. But Miles Bridges, even though he didn't score in the first half, he had that kind of impact to be a plus-14 In a game you lose by 14 and you only sat eight and a half minutes, that shows how valuable Miles Bridges was on the floor last night for the Hornets. That said, it is a silver linings edition. Hornets take the L. They fall to 32 and 35. Some good news elsewhere in the NBA landscape. Atlanta also took a loss last night. They were on the road at Milwaukee. Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks got that win. So... The Hornets, who have played two more games than Atlanta, are essentially tied in the standings. But Charlotte, with a slightly better win percentage, currently in the number 9 position. Coming up next, Terry Rozier. Not his greatest shooting performance, but he did connect on a couple of threes. Brings him to 179 so far on the season. Why is that a somewhat significant number for the Hornets this year? We'll talk about that next, here on the Hornets Hivecast. I could have gotten my hearing aids anywhere, but going to a doctor who could find a set that fit my lifestyle was a good idea. Music sounds as clear now as when I listen to it on cassette tapes. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offers a wide variety of hearing aids. With affordable pricing and credit options, our patients can find hearing care that is right for them. Hear like you once did. Call 704-295-3000 to schedule an appointment. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Sam Farber and Hornet Social Media Associate Wes Robinson here with you on the Hornet Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Terry Rozier is at a really strong post-All-Star break portion of this season, playing some of his best basketball coming into last night's loss against the Boston Celtics. He had been averaging 26 points and shooting 52% from beyond the arc. It was night two of a back-to-back back, so not going to hold it too much against him that he didn't reach those lofty levels. Still had 14 points, was still a plus 5 in his 38 minutes on the floor, meaning the team was a minus 19 with him off it in the 10 minutes that he didn't play, and he shot 2 of 9 from 3. Look, everyone's going to have off nights now and again. Night 2 of a back-to-back and a pretty grueling one playing Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn and then Jalen Brown in Boston. That's a challenge for everyone, but Terry Rozier did knock down two threes, and that moves him up on the Hornets' single season all 
all-time list matches his former running mate, Devontae Graham, who sunk 179 last season as a member of Team Teal. Rozier now tied for the ninth best single season in Hornets history. He's three back of Kemba Walker's 2016 season for the eighth most and has an opportunity to climb here in the standing. So before we project how High, he'll go up on this list this season. Wes, it's been a, an injury-plagued at times start of the season for Terry Rozier, but he's worked his way out of it. He's playing some of his best basketball right now here since the All-Star break. He's got an opportunity here to have a really significant season in Hornets three-point shooting history. Yeah, and you touched on it earlier that uh, with us going through a lot of situations of trying to figure out things with Gordon Hayward and when he's going to come back. At times, we missed Cody Martin. We had Jalen back, and then you know we had to um, miss him again. So we're missing a lot of productive minutes and scoring opportunities where now Terry's kind of stepped in that role for us, especially in the last six games, averaging close to 27 points a game, and he's making at least four threes, shooting 52% from three in those in six games. So that's very significant. The one biggest thing that I laugh at the most is that when we signed Terry, the biggest misconception that people had of him is that he was not a, a great three-point shooter. Granted, he played off the bench, and he was playing behind Kyrie Irving, so he didn't really get a lot of opportunities to be able to play a lot of minutes where he can shoot himself out, you know, to kind of get into a rhythm in a lot of those games. He would shoot a couple threes, and he had to go back to the bench. So he was kind of like a spark off the bench, but came into the Hornets shooting 29%. So a lot of people were kind of worried what would he be able to eventually be able to develop to be a three a lethal three-point shooter where he kind of projected himself to kind of be coming into Charlotte. So it's great to see over those years that he's been able to work on that. And it's also great to see how he's getting those threes. A lot of those are contested. Is he coming off screens? Is he creating his own opportunities? If it's coming off the pick and roll? I mean, it's pretty much a, not a shot on the floor that Terry could not make, and it's it's pretty remarkable to see. Terry Rozier, prior to the All-Star break, was averaging just a, just a hair under three made threes per game. With two more last night, seven games since the All-Star break, he's averaging four per contest since. There are 15 games remaining in the regular season for him to uh, influence the record books here. As I mentioned before, 179 right now. He's three back of Kemba Walker for eighth. Let's put it to you this way. Let's assume he plays all 15 games. What do you think the number of threes he has left to make here in this 2021-2022 campaign. Well, the numbers say if he's averaging four threes per game in his last six games, uh, if he stays at that mark, I mean, hopefully he will, that's 60 more threes that he'll make. So I'm not saying 60 will be that mark, but I would say around 45. I think that's fair to say that he'll he'll move himself in that range at least. All right, 45 would put him at 224. That would be his best single season in terms of total made threes as a Hornet. I would put him in top five in history, passing himself from last year. He made 222 out of 69 games, so slightly more games that he'll end up playing this year. He did miss some due to injury, but overall he'll have more total makes. I think he's got a shot to be top three all time. Now to do that, he's got to make 61 threes over the next 15 games, something he's certainly capable of. That would put him in a tie with Kemba Walker's 2017 season. 240 total would be the third most all time. If he's really going to go nuts, and I mean really goes nuts, he'd have to make 81 to match Kemba Walker's 2019 season for the most in franchise history. 81 in 15 games, that's pretty aggressive. That's over five threes a game sustained over a month. Hard to do, 
But if anyone can do it, it's Scary Terry. Something to keep an eye on. Again, he's three away, and he'll go for that next matchup for the Hornets. That'll be tomorrow against the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll, of course, preview that one for you on tomorrow's edition of the HHC. Myself and Rob Longo on that one. But still one more segment left to go on this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets about to embark on this two-game road trip. But overall, I think the next two weeks is the most important stretch of the season. I'll tell you why when we come back here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta. Hornets fans, make sure you download the Hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience. The Hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering, and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today. We had the last shot. We had the last shot. And obviously it's something we're working through you know we got to get the last shot there in the quarter we called a, a, a play I thought the shot went up a little early I'll go back and watch it obviously at that point we can't foul they're in the bonus we got to be smart there and then we compounded it with a technical foul that's a three-point play for no reason so it goes from six could easily cut it to four or three and now it becomes nine that's a big momentum swing in a game like this this important against a very good team and that's just a mental lapse that we got to clean up. Hornets head coach James Borrego after last night's loss, 115-101 to 101 was the final score against Boston. Wes Robinson, Hornets social media associate with us here today on the HHC. He was talking about the end sequence of the third quarter. There was a shot that could argue might have gone up a second early from LaMelo Ball, but he talked about it afterwards and said, hey, listen, they were basically in position to take maybe a three-quarter court heave, maybe. Not very much time, certainly not enough for any significant possession for Boston there. So maybe there's some shot luck with a miracle heat, but probably not. But Kelly Oubre commits a foul with one-tenth of a second remaining and then gets called for a technical, arguing that foul. That's a three-point swing. Now, when that foul sequence started, the Hornets were down just six. If LaMelo Ball's shot falls, they're down by three. So it went from being potentially a one-possession game. The reality was it should have been a two-possession game. Because you gave Tatum and the Celtics three free throws, it became a three-possession game, and they used that to springboard them into the fourth quarter. Moral of the story is a mental error, a teachable moment for a young Hornets team that James Borrego and this coaching staff can point back to and say, we need to clean this up, and the Hornets do because they're about to embark on the most important two-week stretch of this season. Wes, the next 15 days, I think this is the opportunity here for the Hornets to determine their own their, their own adventure, basically, for the remainder of the season. What are they going to be playing for? Could they possibly play to get into a top six position? Some of that's dependent on what other teams do, obviously, but the Hornets have an opportunity here to make that a possibility. Could they be playing for the seventh seed, or are they just playing to get in the play-in tournament in any way, shape, or form? The next two weeks are going to determine that. 15 days, they'll play seven games. None of them are back-to-backs like the Hornets just got done playing them. Five of them are at home. And even though the team is below 500 at home, I still like the atmosphere at the Hive. The Hornets do, too. The players talk about it all the time. The home court advantage is real for Charlotte. And five are against teams currently with sub-500 records. So this is very much an opportunity here for Charlotte over the next two weeks to get back to 500 and put themselves in a position to play for something more than just getting into the play-in tournament, which is significant, but you'd like to influence your standings a little bit. Absolutely, and and I think it's really going to start with this weekend. I mean, it'll be great to pick up a win in New Orleans, get a great win in Oklahoma. We get to come home, sleep in our own bed, and prepare for a five-home game stand 
like you said, the guys love playing at home. We love the momentum. We love to have the energy of the, of the crowd. And a lot of the teams that were playing uh, during that stretch are pretty much in, are at 500 or under 500 at that point. So we want to be able to have those opportunities to pick up the two wins on the road. And it would be great. Hopefully, Sam, knock on wood, that we're talking about a seven-game win streak that we're on that we're able to, to understand the position that we're in. And maybe we're having a different conversation the next time I'm on the podcast about how we're rolling into the playoffs. But it's going to be very pivotal for us to be able to pick up a lot of wins. I mean, LaMelo Ball was short and sweet with it. Winning cures everything. And I think a lot of the issues that we're discussing right now, if we're able to correct those right now, the season's not over. I know we've been uh, there's been a lot of you know situations that we've been down, but we just lost two games, but we also just came off uh, back-to-back wins. So all we have to do is just pull ourselves back together and let's go streaking, and let's see how we go into the end of the season. I like the way you're thinking about this, and a seven-game win streak, ambitious, but honestly, not impossible. The the next two games for the Hornets are both on the road at New Orleans, who is struggling still. They're in 10th in the the West, same as the Hornets essentially are in the East, but very different story. They're about 10, 15 games below 500. Hornets are like three, so very different route to get to a similar spot in the standings. Then you go to Oklahoma City, who is having another rough season as they continue a long rebuild. Then you come home, you're hosting Atlanta. Again, you're on normal rest, matching up with Trey Young. Potentially, that game could determine who hosts a play-in tournament game or which play-in tournament game you get into. After that, you get two days off. Then you're going to host Dallas. A lot of people will say, hey, Dallas is a really good team. I don't know that the Hornets will be favored in that. Well, Hornets are going to have two days rest. Dallas will be in night two of a back-to-back. So we know how difficult it is to play night two of back-to-back. I'm not taking anything away from Luka Doncic and how well the Mavericks are playing. They're playing great basketball. He's playing great basketball. But the Hornets will be on two days rest, Dallas, night two of a back-to-back. So that's the situation there. After that one, you're going to host New Orleans. Again, they're struggling right now. Then you're going to host New York. They're also struggling. Then you wrap up the homestand against Utah. Utah will be on normal rest in that one, but they'll be in the midst of a very long Eastern Conference road trip. They'll have just gotten done playing Boston and Brooklyn. So the schedule sets up favorably. Even the most difficult matchups in this next two-week, seven-game stretch, you can make an argument the Hornets have the more favorable set of circumstances compared to the opponent. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not going to be easy. P.J. Washington did say that, you know, a lot of these games are not going to be given to us. We're going to have to earn these opportunities. And we're not just going to sit back and look like, oh, well, these teams are struggling or they have a tough schedule and they're coming into our house and then we're going to be able to, you know, get these games. No, we've kind of, you know, dropped the ball in a lot of home games. But the biggest thing is that we're going to have to understand that we're going to have to take it game by game. We can't look ahead. We can't sit back and be comfortable to know that we're going to be home because, yes, we do have the, the crowd on our side. But we also have to play our game. We have to make a lot of shots. We have to clean up some things defensively. We have to get people going. We have to hope and pray that we have the opportunity that we can announce that Gordon Hayward is going to be back or we're able to get Jalen back and be back healthy like we've been for the most part of early on in the season. We just got to see a lot of things go our way that we've seen early on in the season that we didn't really ride the momentum wave. Early in the season, we were on the road for the most part. So that wasn't really uh, the thing the thing for us back in the day. So it was like we just have to understand that. There are some things that we have to do internally 
before we can look outside and see what the positions are and how we can go on this streak and make a playoff push. Hornets have had a couple of stretches where they've won six out of seven, and, and oftentimes the, the set of circumstances kind of mirror what we're looking at coming up here for the Hornets. A lot of home games, sometimes difficult opponents, but oftentimes rest advantages for Charlotte. And again, look at the upcoming schedule. That's what they have in store for them. Right after that, it's a tougher stretch, four games over a week where three will be on the road. There is a back-to-back. Three of the four opponents are 500 or better. Then they close with two out of three being home, one of those against Orlando, one of them against Washington. Those will ultimately determine the final standings. But what those games mean, what they'll inevitably be playing for, that gets determined over the next two weeks. I think these next 15 days, Wes Robinson, are going to be the most important here of the Hornets season. I'm excited for it. I think the Hornets are as well, and I think you, the fan, should be too. Hopefully you're with us when we return to the Hive on Wednesday to host the Atlanta Hawks. Tickets, of course, are available at Hornets.com. Wes Robinson, Hornets social media associate. Thanks as always for joining us today here on the Hornets Hivecast. It was great, man. And it's good to have some optim- optimism and know that we have something to look forward to. And it's not over, Sam. We we still have some time to go and it's a long, still a long season. Fifteen games seem like it's short, but as we take it game by game, we have a lot to look forward to going into these games. Hey, 15 games ago, you know what spot Boston was in the standings? Ninth. Ninth. You know where they are now? Where? Higher than ninth. <laughs> Hornets right now are in ninth, and hopefully in 15 games, they'll be higher than ninth as well. Thanks again to Wes Robinson for being our guest today here on the HHC. Thanks as always to our producer extraordinaire, Rob Longo, for putting this podcast together. And Rob will be with me tomorrow as we preview tomorrow's game against the New Orleans Pelicans. Look forward to talking to all of you then. Till then, for Wes Robinson and Rob Longo, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along, and we'll talk to you next time. Time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.